Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place as we worship and adore you, as we confess before you our frail humanity, as we experience, Lord, your peace that surpasses all understanding. We just thank you, Lord, for your, your glory, Lord, that rests in this place. And we pray in every home that is watching us this evening. Our prayer, Lord, always is that we can align our lives, reposition our lives to honor you, to serve you, that we can find our purpose and live out, Lord, that purpose for your honor and glory. Thank you for these precious moments. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you all. Thank you, Reverend Isaac, and thank you those that are here today, here in the sanctuary, and those of you there at home. Make yourself comfortable at this time, and we just want to appreciate you for being with us and spending this Wednesday evening as we continue to navigate this time of, uh, of COVID and of separation. It's been a long, long time, uh, but we continue to move forward, uh, being obedient to what is required of us, but also at the same time, trusting God for his miracle-working power. And we need to keep that in balance, that we live in the real world around us, but God is still in the business of the miraculous. God is still in the business of removing obstacles and granting us rich and powerful blessings. What I'd like to do tonight for the time that I have is really go into a teaching moment with you. And I'd like to um, use a scripture found in Luke chapter 4 and just extract from there certain teachings that I think will apply to us today. I know sometimes we, we will preach, which is that word that the Lord gives us for you today. Uh, but I also believe that teaching is very important. The Lord spent quite a bit of his time in ministry teaching. And as I share with you, you will find yourself in the narrative. You will find your journey, your life. I've titled um, this session tonight, Learn to Walk Away. Learn to Walk Away. And it's very practical because we have in our life, in our journey, at work, at home, neighbors, family members, even church friends, acquaintances that we have, that left unchecked, these relationships can become toxic. Left unchecked, these connections that we have, rather than help us to develop our capacity and reach our fullest potential in the plan of God, what often happens is Rather than propel us forward, they either hold us back or in some cases even pull us back. And I, I am not going to be teaching today on reject people and push them aside, but I am going to uh, spend some time to guide you to this important lesson that is here that sometimes we just have to walk away. Rather than continue to enable, rather than continue to be subject to the pressures and the pushback that we constantly might be receiving from these relationships, which always are one-sided, is never a symbiotic relationship that's mutually beneficial, but they're always one-sided. What should we do and what, what license do we have in Scripture also to do that, to do that, to walk away? I submit to you first, before I get into the teaching from chapter 4 of Luke, that we're not talking about stopping outreach evangelistically to have people discover their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That we must do. I'm talking about after those moments when people 
confess a relationship with Christ. Uh, you know, it, it, some people are instantly delivered and changed and transformed, and others, it takes some time. And so I want to uh, share with you from this passage, Luke chapter 4, verses 14 on, and I'll read them. We'll do this ex in an expository fashion. I'll read a few verses which give you the idea, and then I will explain that the, on the text, but also apply what's on the text for us today. And if, if you go with me to uh, verse 14 of chapter 4 of Luke, look at what it says. Now, this is directly Jesus. It says, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. If we look at the text very carefully, he is right smack in the middle of his ministry, his outreach. He has this conquering moment in the wilderness just prior to this, uh, where he was tempted by the, the enemy, Satan himself. And we read in the passage how he was able to conquer because of the word. And yes, he is the word, but the word that he was also expounding, it is written. That's how he won the battle and neutralized the impact of the enemy. And in that story of him in the wilderness, we find at the tail end that it was so exhausting because he was fasting and praying that at the end when he had finished, the devil pulled away. And then uh, we had to have the angels come down or heavenly hosts come down to minister strength to him once again. And we find that now he goes down to Jerusalem and he's there ministering in the power of the Spirit. Now, this is critical because uh, when we read a phrase like that, in the power of the Spirit, we can conclude that there was a fullness of authority, of power, of demonstration of a divine nature at that moment over the Lord. In fact, we can conclude that this was a good thing. He was doing a good thing. He was doing ministry. He was uh, moving in that supernatural miracle working power given by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, signs and wonders, because of the miraculous work that he was doing, all of a sudden news starts to spread throughout the whole countryside. Now follow me because I'm going to be cumulative and as I present these points. So he, was, he returned with the power of the Holy Spirit. Number, uh, verse 15 says, he was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. So not only was he, he returned with the power of the Holy Spirit, and the news began to spread throughout the region, but it says that he went into the synagogues and was teaching to such a degree and such mastery that those in the synagogue, and when it says everyone in the synagogue, it's including the religious leaders, they started to praise him. They were impressed by the depth and the level of his teaching. So remember that he had the power of the Spirit, to move forward, his uh, reputation spread throughout the land. Now he's also going into the synagogue and teaching and impressing them with his gifting. And people were praising him. And look at verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the, seventh, on the Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue as was his custom. So look at this. Not only the power of the Holy Spirit upon him. Not only was he preaching impressively. But it says that now he went to Nazareth, his, his home church, if you will, his home congregation. And there he went to worship on the Sabbath day. So he went to the synagogue. I mean, if we, were, if we take the name Jesus out of the equation here, and you look at somebody being spiritual and, and following spiritual disciplines, he was following, this person was following this, uh, spiritual disciplines. He was doing the right thing, filled with the Holy Spirit, teaching impressive, and also going to church, going to the synagogue, if you will. Verse uh, 
14, there's a few verses here I want to read to get the idea. It says that while he was in the synagogue and, and as was his custom, meaning that he was there frequently, we find in verse 17 that Jesus in the synagogue now stood up and read the scroll of the prophet Isaiah that was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The term there, sat down, means that he was finished with his dissertation or with his talk to the people. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. So I think you'll see it's cumulative here. It's developing. He's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit when he goes to Galilee. He goes into the synagogue and he's teaching. The people are so impressed they praise him. Then he goes to his own synagogue and even there he gets up now and he does, he teaches from the Torah with conviction, not just reading, but he was impactful because again he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he rolled it down. He sat down. I'm done teaching. And when he sits down, people couldn't take their eyes off him, off of him, because he was so anointed, so in his, so in his lane, doing what he was called to do. I hope you're following this with me. But it doesn't end there. Look at verse 21 and 22. It says, and he began by saying to them, because now he's interpreting the reading from the Torah. He says, he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. They asked each other, isn't this Joseph's son? And, and I want you to get it here. So power of the Holy Spirit, teaching impressively in the synagogue, went to Nazareth, his home a place, and was there also, uh, got up and read the, the Torah, read, read the scripture. And not only that, now he becomes prophetic. And he's telling the audience there, he's saying, today, that scripture that he just read, which was the promise of the Messiah, the promise of the work of the Messiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. He has sent me to proclaim freedom uh, and, and, uh, and freedom for the oppressed, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. So he was not only teaching them, but he was saying that scripture today is fulfilled. So he's becoming prophetic. He had a prophetic edge at this moment. But now look here, although Jesus was doing all the right things, all of a sudden now the table starts to turn. This is what I want to get to on learn to walk away. Verse 23 through 27 shows us Jesus now applying the reading. The prophetic word he had just bought, this is now fulfilled today. He's applying the reading at this moment to those that were listening to him. And he began to speak truth. And I want to submit to you today that people really can't handle the truth. There's some folk that they say they want to know, they want to know, but they really don't want to know. Look at what it, go, what it goes on to say. It says, Jesus said to them, verse 23, Surely you, you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. A, a common a proverb, a common saying during that time. And you will tell me, do, uh, do here in your hometown what you have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. Remember, he was in his home, home synagogue. I assure you that there are, were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah 
was not sent was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. So he starts to speak to them truth. And he says, you, uh, you, you'll know the common phrase, a physician, heal yourself. But isn't it so that in time of famine, everyone was affected by the famine, yet the Lord just sent Elijah for, to the widow. Then he goes, and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elijah, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman. So he says there was a need, and yet it was not. So he's telling them, using the uh, biblical record, that what they were doing, although they were religious, although they were in the synagogue, although they were supposed to be the holy men of that time, the needs were not being met, and they were, going, they were about to miss the prophetic confirmation of the Messiah appearing. He confronted them with truth. And look at their reaction, verse 28. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Because sometimes truth will offend people. When you try, let's apply it, let's apply it, let's apply it. When you try to guide people to what you observe to be the right steps for them, the right path toward maturation, the right way to increase their capacity, for them to find their rhythm and their path into what God is planning over them, they really don't want to know the truth. And it says here that the people of the synagogue were furious. Wait, wait, wait. Stop for a moment. We're, we're teaching here. I'm not preaching here, but stop for a moment. Let's, let's back up. Let's back up. Aren't these the same people that were praising him? Verse 13, uh, 15. Aren't these the same people that were with him in the synagogue in Nazareth, as was his custom when he went? Aren't these the same people that when he spoke and read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, at the end of the reading, they, and he sat down, they couldn't take his eyes off of him? Aren't these the same people that said, isn't this Joseph's son? And now all of a sudden, because he confronts them, personally confronts them with their mission, their task, they weren't just mad. They were furious. You will ask the question right now, how furious? Let's continue the reading, verse 29. They were so furious that they got up, drove Jesus out of the town, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Wait, 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 wait. We back up again. Aren't these the people that were cheering him on? Aren't these the people that were rallying forward because they saw this incredible power of the Holy Spirit resting upon him, this passionate way of reading the text? And now when he applies it, see, God is not about singing us happy. God is not about just making us feel good. We have to realize that sometimes the Lord confronts us with truth so that we can do the heavy lifting of changing, of being transformed, of applying to ourselves these things in our lives. But yet what happens when we're confronted with the uncomfortableness of truth, as Jesus did, people will attempt they attempted to kill him. They were, I don't know if you've ever read this before, but they weren't thinking about, and, and for me it's fascinating. Here's Jesus fully in his anointing, fully in his groove, fully in his lane, and all of a sudden they got up, and it says that they drove him out of town. So they were able to get him out of the town. The town was protected by, by, by a, a wall, a, a gate, gates and a wall, and they took him outside the town. They were getting ready to, to do him in. 
But look at what happened. And all of this I'm saying to get to this verse, and then I'll pray and close it out. Verse 30. They took him outside, verse 29. They wanted to throw him off the cliff to kill him. But verse 30 says, but he walked through the crowd and went on his way. This is powerful because here is a display of the fully anointed Savior who had the authority, the mandate, the power, the mission to fulfill the task that God the Father had placed upon him. And he was facing religious leaders. Don't you think for a moment that that level of anointing, of the anointing could have been used to confront them in a, in, in the same, with the same aggression that they uh, were confronting him? Don't you think that the same way they forced him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill and attempted to kill him? Don't you think the anointing inside of God, Jesus, at that moment would have been sufficient to counter that force? But it says in the text, he just walked away. There are times that we just need to learn to walk away. Why? Let me give you four reasons why. Only four. There's more, but the four that I want to share today. Sometimes we need to walk away because the truth is that there are some people that will never be satisfied. Never. And if you put your mind, your talent, your gift, and your abilities to satisfy people, then you will be frustrated. There's never, uh, people will only remember the last thing that you did. Some, not all, not all. But there are just some people that will never be satisfied. All that we do, listen to me carefully, all that you and I should engage in doing is things that honor God and serve the people in general. We need to be careful because when we try to make it too personal, when we're not called, some people are called to that, but when we're not called to do that, we're going to get pushback and it's going to hurt us. We need to realize that there's just some people that will never be satisfied. Just take a simple example of asking the question in a service, is it hot or cold here? You'll divide the church in a minute because half of them will say it's hot, the other half say it's cold. And some will say, is the, is the AC even on? We need to realize that some folks will never be satisfied, never be satisfied. They're only going to walk from what they can get to in the current service that they're in. If it's raining, there's a problem. If it's snowing, there's a problem. Some people will never be satisfied. The second thing I want you to remember is another group of people will never be convinced. They will never be convinced. You give them your testimony. You share with them how the Lord has rescued you. He rescued you, turned you around. Uh, they tell you they want to do this and that, and you try. They will, they will never be convinced. And we need to let, you know, be, a, be aware that that's the way some folks are. Sometimes the 80-20 rule does apply. It does apply. And we need to realize that there's a group of people that will never be satisfied, another group that will never be convinced. And then the third one is a more gracious observation, the third example, is, and that is this, that we need to learn to walk away because some people are still working through their issues. So they cannot absorb your example. You know, we, we have to remember that we don't come from a vacuum. You come from, you have a family history. You have a history in your life from the past. And oftentimes, although we're redeemed, we're heaven bound, we're, you know, God is in our lives, we, we gave our hearts to the Lord, we're trying to walk right, we still have stuff that we carry from the past and stuff from our history. And so just be aware that maybe it's time to walk away because some people are still working through their issues. 
and they can't, up, and you know what's a prime example of this? Watch when you're blessed and you share a blessing, who cheers you on? And those that don't cheer you on. Some people can't handle that you're blessed. Some people can't ha handle that you're highly favored, that things are going well with you. And they don't necessarily have to be in church, just people in general. We have to realize, number three, that some folk are still working through their issues. So they can absorb your blessing. They can ab absorb your prosperity, uh, your, your highly favored, your example. And then the fourth one, and this I'm closing now for sure, you need to learn to walk away because, you know, it's really not your job to rescue that particular person. We need to shake ourselves off to think we're, we're the messenger, we're the one, we're the one that's got to make sure that every soul gets saved and every person that I meet is the one. No, you need to be an example, live out your Christianity, live out your faith in Christ in, in your daily living. But realize there are just some people that you are not, your makeup, your temperament, your intrinsic design is not really to reach that individual person. Someone else has been placed on earth to reach them. And when you get to integrate these four, and there's more, but four for tonight, some people will never be satisfied. Others will never be convinced. Some are working through their issues. And the last one is you're not there to rescue them. You're there to just live for the Lord, and there'll be others that you can touch. Not everyone that comes into your presence do you have any ability to even influence them into a walk with the Lord. God has someone for someone. Remember this. Learn to walk away because when you walk away, you will be healthier and so will the body of Christ. Father, I thank you for these precious moments that I have to teach from this passage today. Lord, I know that truth confronts us and makes us uncomfortable and I know that sometimes we don't really want to hear. But I thank you, Lord, that in this example, Luke uses you, you, you particularly. It's Jesus and how, how when he was pressured, although he was doing the right thing, although he was showing incredible anointing and gifting and moving forward with confidence and authority, teaching wonders, marvels, Lord, happening, people praising him. But when it came time to confront the audience with truth, toward transformation, they actually wanted to kill him. Help us, Lord, to learn from this example that it is not that we reject everyone or anyone. It is some, simply that there's some relationships that we just have to walk away. I thank you, Lord, as I pray your blessing over your people, those in their homes. In Christ's name, amen and amen. God bless you. I love you very much.